Um, let's pray. I'm the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray. Lord God, we just praise you and we thank you for the gift of today. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in this space. Um, Lord, we thank you that you have called us first. You have called us each to be your sons and daughters. Um, Even before any desire that we have, that you desire to have a relationship with us. Lord, I thank you for each and every soul in this room, just the hunger that they have for you. And I ask that you would just increase in us a hunger for you. I'm increasing us a desire for a relationship with you. Help us truly to be able to enter into that. Let these words tonight not be my own, but um, I ask that you would speak through me and open the ears and the hearts of all here that they might hear whatever it is that you want them to hear. Lord, we give this time to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Cool. So, um... Yes, my name is Monica. I'm one of the focus missionaries here. Uh, I have a question I want you all to think about, in your, or something for you to all think about in your head. Um, think about someone that you have, that's like one of your best friends. Does everyone have someone in their mind? Great. Um, McKeeley, who are you thinking about? Carly Myers. Carly Myers, great. Um, do I have a relationship with Carly Myers? No. Great, tell me more about Carly Myers. Great. Okay, so now I know a lot about Carly Myers. Do I have a relationship with Carly Myers? Are we friends? No. Why Why aren't we friends? Because you haven't met her. Oh, right. Perfect. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> met her, right? And so in order for something, for a relationship to exist, you have to have an encounter. You have to meet this person. You have to know them. Um, and I'm sure, how many times have you seen Carly in your life? Yeah, exactly. Millions, right? It's not like, oh, I met her and now we're best friends. It takes time. You've probably, how long have you known her? Sophomore year of high school. So what, 10 years? Something like that? Yeah. So it takes time. Um, and I use this example because it's really clear and really obvious for us as friends. And we all would have given that exact same answer that McKeeley just gave of, no, you haven't met her. You haven't spent the time with her. You don't actually know her. Um, and that can be the same when it comes to our relationship with God. Because the reality is, um, God created us simply just for relationship. If you're in my Bible study or um, in a Bible study, you've probably heard this get hit home over and over again. But God created us because he wanted a relationship with us. Um, and that relationship, as how many of you guys were here last week with Father, or last month with Father Mark when he gave his talk? Okay, so Father Mark talked about, um, he... We were created for a relationship. That relationship was then cut off through original sin, through the sin of Adam and Eve. Um, And it could no longer, we didn't have that relationship with God. And Jesus came, excuse me, to redeem that relationship. And really, that's what Father Mark's talk was all about, was about Jesus coming, fixing that relationship, and giving us access to the Father. Um, And you could talk for hours and hours about that. Um, But that's the point I want to hit on right now, is that we have access to the Father because of what Jesus has done for us. So I'm assuming most, if not all of you, in this room are baptized. Um, And at the time you were baptized, you were probably an infant, um, and it was probably after a Sunday Mass, and a priest at one point poured water over your head 
he might have been really tired. He might have just wanted to go to lunch. But he baptized you. Poured water over your head and said, Valeria, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, God's heart broke open with love for you. In that moment, you were adopted into his family. Um, I have a good friend who he's adopted and um, he's adopted at birth. And at that moment that he was adopted by his parents, he became Ryan Kaup. Didn't matter what his previous last name was, didn't matter any of his identity before, but in that moment, he, he became Ryan Kaup. And that's who he is. He's the son of his parents, he's adopted parents. And the same thing happened when we were baptized. Um, and it's kind of cool because if you like know ancient Greek, which I actually don't, but I just listen to what other people tell me about it, um, they, when they talk about baptism in the early church, they don't just use the word adopted, even though that is really powerful, but they actually use this word that we don't really have a word for, but it would get translated as being like sonified or daughterified. And so when you were baptized, you became a son, you became a daughter of the Heavenly Father. And I know we were here to talk about prayer and teaching us to pray, but we have to understand this first, because if we don't have a concept or grasp this concept, then prayer doesn't matter at all. Because prayer, in and of itself, is a relationship with God. And so right now, you are God's child. You are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter, just as you are. You don't have to go someplace. You don't have to try to be something that you're not. You don't have to try to be better. You don't have to try to be that person you want to be. Because right now, as you are, you are God's child. And this is, right now, as you are, how he wants to meet you. This is where he wants to meet you. And this is where he wants to encounter you. This is where he wants to begin to have that relationship with you. And so with all of this in mind, um, I have a disclaimer that everything I'm about to tell you tonight uh, is nothing I came up with on my own. It's all stuff that I have received from other people, with the exception of like my own personal experiences in it. Um, and I like highlight that because this isn't some crazy lofty thing that is only for the elite people in our faith. It's the only people for the people who know a lot. It's only for the missionaries. No, this is for everyone. This is prayer is something that exists across our whole faith for that purpose of having a relationship with God. Um, there's many types of prayer when we think about like, oh yeah, I'm going to pray. We have the recited prayers. We have the rosary. Um, mass, even of itself, is a type of prayer. It's actually the highest form of prayer of that liturgy. Um, but what I'm going to talk about tonight is what we call relational prayer. Um, that prayer that is a relationship, that is that encounter with God, that is meeting him face to face and letting him be a part of your life. Um, so there's a famous Catholic speaker, Mark Hart, who doesn't just who says, prayer doesn't help your relationship with God. Prayer is your relationship with God. Um, and so if there's nothing else that you get out of tonight, I want it to be that you know that you were created for a relationship with God and prayer is that relationship. And so what I want to emphasize also, first and foremost, is that prayer is not your job. It is not your job to pray. It is not your job to pray well. It is not your job to do the right things in prayer. Prayer is not your job. If you think it was your job, you're fired. That's it. You don't have a job anymore. It's not your job. It's God's job. Prayer is, jo is God's job. And prayer, this, when we go to pray, it's not about getting stuff done. It's not about fixing things. Um, in fact, when we start to have that mentality of, oh, I need to figure out a solution to this. I need to 
achieve X, Y, and Z in prayer, that's actually when it's going to get the most frustrating and it's going to be as difficult as all get out. Um, when you think about your friendships and the people you spend time with, you don't go and um, say, hey, do you want to hang out today and accomplish all of these tasks that I have? If you're like that, I don't want to be your friend. Um, I, no, when I hang out with someone, I want to go and share life with them. I want to spend time with them. I want to get to know them. Um, or if I already feel like I know them, I just want to be with them. And that's exactly what prayer is and what prayer has to be for us. Um, when it comes to prayer, it's not your job. It's God's job. And you only really have two responsibilities. Your responsibilities in prayer are that you show up and that you're honest. So if you were, we're all students here for the most part, and we're all used to getting graded. So if you're talking about like, oh, let me get graded on my prayer. If you don't even show up, if you don't even make time for prayer, you get an F. You had two responsibilities, you failed the first one, F, donezo. But if you show up and you go and pray and you sit there with a dictionary and you read the dictionary to God, you get a B minus because at least you showed up. You weren't really honest, but you showed up. But the, the truth of what we need to, need, what we need to do when we, show, when we go to pray is we just need to show up and we need to be honest. If you make time for prayer and you say, you know, you're really angry, really frustrated, but you go into prayer and you're like, God, you're so awesome, and I love you, and everything's going great right now. You get a B minus. You showed up. You weren't honest. Um, and being honest is really communicating what is going on in our hearts. Um, I always love to go into prayer with this quite imagining God just asking me, like, how are you doing? How's it going? Um, the same way a friend would ask me, and being able to respond with that freedom and that candor that, um, yeah, it really allows me just to be me in front of him. Because the reality is, is that he, God knows you through and through. He knows everything that's on your heart. He knows that ugly stuff that you don't want him to know about, that stuff you don't want to talk about. He knows it. But he wants to hear it from you because he wants to be in a relationship with you. One of my favorite analogies for this is, um, imagine there's like a 10-year-old son, maybe a little older. Um, he's on a basketball team. And he's kind of just an average, mediocre kid on the team. But they're at this away game. And he is playing in the final minutes. They're down. Um, I don't really know how basketball works that well, but they're down by a few points, down by two points. And it's the last second. And he, you know, he's playing his heart out. And the last second, he makes a three-point buzzer beater. Wins the game. Best day of his life. Super great. Um, on the way home, his coach called. His dad wasn't at the game. So on the way home, his coach calls his dad and says, You'll never believe what your son did. He just played the most incredible game of his life, won the championship for us in a buzzer beater. Your kid's awesome. Um, so the dad knows all this, this really cool, exciting thing that happened in his, in his son's life. And his son gets home that day, and his dad's like, hey, kiddo, how's your game? And the kid's like, oh, it's fine, we won. The dad knows everything that happened. He knows what went on in the game, but he's not satisfied. Because he wants to be able to share in that with his son. And he wants to be able to be a part of that excitement and that joy and the reality that was his son's life. And so the same thing is with God. Is that he knows what's going on, but he wants to hear it from us. Um, some of us this week in Bible study, we've talked about um, when we like prepare to have friends over and, or people over. And we like clean the house, but you only clean the rooms that you know people are going to be in because... You don't really want to go through the process of cleaning the whole house. And so then you, like, shut the door of the rooms you don't want to, 
you don't want people to be in. You're like, don't look in there. Or like you have the junk drawer and you're like, don't, don't look in that drawer. Um, but the reality is, is that God knows that back room. He knows that junk drawer. Um, he knows that part of your life that you're most ashamed of, that you don't want him to look at, that you'd rather him not touch. Um, but he still loves you. And he wants to be a part of it. Because the only thing that happens when we cut ourselves off from God and we don't tell him things and we don't bring them into relationship with him is that we just separate ourselves even farther from God. We separate ourselves from that purpose for which we were created. And so really, it comes back to, do you show up and are you honest? Um, and so when it comes to being honest and when it comes to sharing our, our hearts with God in prayer, um, this is why I gave you guys, everyone has a fun little handout. It's called the Relational Prayer, A-R-R-R. Some call it the pirate prayer, because if you say A-R-R-R together, it sounds like R, like a pirate. Um, and so this piece of paper, this document, was compiled by Father Eugene Floria, um, who is greatly admired by a priest that I greatly admire, so I just stole that. But then I adapted it a little bit um, from my own experience as well. And so with this, we're going to talk about those four bolded points there um, that make up the A-R-R-R. Um, which are acknowledge, relate, receive, and respond. Um, And so it's important to understand that this is not a method. This is not a step-by-step. This is not a rigid, like, you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be able to pray. But this is a way that um, many people, myself included, have found to be incredibly um, effective and incredibly helpful in learning how to pray and into growing into a deeper relationship with God. And so that first step that we have there is acknowledge. Um, And so the acknowledge is just acknowledge your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, what's going on in your heart. Um, Yeah, how are things going? Like I said, God already knows them because he knows you through and through, but he wants to be in that relationship. And sometimes in our lives, that can be really hard to figure out of like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm just feeling things. I don't know if anyone's ever felt like that. I get like that often. Um, And there was one time this summer that I just felt very off, felt very distressed, very, um, I don't know if you would even say anxious, just, yeah, a lot of feelings going on. And I was really struggling to pray. And so I went to confession. Um, this was when we were at, um, focus training. And so during our holy hour every day, we had confession available. And so I went to go to confession and this priest, uh, after I said all these things, he just said, what's, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just overwhelmed or something. And he goes, okay, I want you to take a few minutes Take a second, right now, just close your eyes and say, Lord, what's here? Um, And so I did that. I closed my eyes and I just, yeah, asked, said, Jesus, what's here? What's in my heart? What do you want me to talk about? Um, And with that, this thought that I never even, hadn't really been thinking about came to mind, but it was just like, I feel unwanted. Um, And there were a few situations that were going on at the time that, um, yeah, I could really point to as to why I was feeling that way. And so it just took that time of just stepping back and thinking about it and giving God the permission to bring these up in my heart and to say, like, yeah, to acknowledge that this feeling of being unwanted was in my heart. Um, And so we really have to bring up any of these emotions, any of these thoughts, these feelings and desires, um, acknowledge what's going on, acknowledge what we're feeling. And that next step is to relate. And this is kind of like a um, a funny way to word it because we're not, not saying, oh, like, I relate to this because this was a time, but relate means to bring into relationship and to tell God about them. Um, Another way of saying this is just like to see what's, to let God see what's in your heart. 
Um, and so, yeah, this is when you just kind of say like, okay, Jesus, I feel unwanted. Or Jesus, I'm really frustrated. Or God, I feel overjoyed because I'm really excited about this thing. And you just let him see what's in your heart and you tell it to him. Um, and so the next step is what many theologians and many people who are experts on praying um, say is actually the most important. And it's the part that I forget so often. Um, but it's to receive. And it's to listen um, to what God is saying and how God is speaking into us. Um, just a, a disclaimer. As I continue on this talk, I'm going to share some more experiences of my own prayer. Um, and I just want to make clear that God has never like spoken to me in a booming voice. So anytime I say I hear God saying something, it's more of just like this feeling of like, I think this is kind of the sense that I'm getting from him. Same thing too. I've never actually seen God, like Jesus, like walk into my room or like do anything. Um, but it's more of just like an, an imagination and I can kind of see it in my eye or my mind. Um, I can describe to you what I am seeing, but it's not like I actually see it really hard to explain but just know that i'm not some crazy mystic i'm not like oh god is here you know like walking into my my life and all these things um and so when it comes time to receive you've communicated all these things you tell god what's on your heart and my favorite way to go into to receiving is just to ask like what is god like what is god like as i tell him these things is he angry is he frustrated is he annoyed with me if any of those are your answer, that's not of God. You can reject that immediately because God is never angry. He's never frustrated. He's never annoyed with you. He's always pleased with you. He always loves you. He always wants to be with you and is always just, yeah, overjoyed to be in your presence. But yeah, with that, is, um, is he sad for you? Is he um, just overjoyed? Is he just, is he just there? Maybe he's not there at all. Maybe we don't, we don't experience him um, being with us and that's okay too but just kind of being aware of like yeah what is God like in this moment and just kind of hang out there just kind of stay like um yeah acknowledge that he is so pleased with you or that he is um so excited for you or sad for you or all of these different things um and then the next step would just be to respond um this kind of can be like almost in a cycle right because then you receive whatever it is the Lord has just communicated to you in his love or any of that um, and so then you start to acknowledge again, okay, like, how do I feel now that I've just acknowledged that I've received that? Um, and you can go back through and acknowledge what you're feeling and relate it to him and then receive and then continue to respond. But ultimately, um, it's a time just to rest in, um, the grace that he has given you in that time of prayer. Anytime God communicates with us, there's grace. Um, I, I just haven't, can think of a time that this was incredibly fruitful in terms of this response was that one time I was in adoration, um, I was at the Focus headquarters in Denver, and I had never been there before, and um, there was adoration going on, and I just remember the monstrance that I saw Jesus in, it was, it was beautiful, it was exceptionally beautiful, um, I don't know what made it so beautiful, but I just remember being struck, just being like, wow, Jesus, you're really beautiful right now, um, and as I related this to him, and shared this with him, uh, I just got this sense in my heart uh, in like kind of a, almost a cheesy way, but he was just like, but you're beautiful. Um, yeah. And it, that's not something we get to hear very often in our lives. And so, um, receiving that from him and then, yeah, responding with like, wow, Jesus, thank you. Like I feel cherished. I feel loved. I feel known. Um, and just this continual, uh, yeah, relating and conversation with him. 
And it's not just that it's a cycle when we do this, but it's actually a spiral, and that allows us to keep going deeper and deeper into our hearts and into our prayer lives. Um, And so with this one really tangible example that comes to me um, in terms of how these uh, tools in prayer uh, really just helped in a time of prayer and a time of needing guidance and needing a relationship. So um, in focus, for those of you who don't know, when it's your first year, you you don't get to decide where you go on staff. So Daniel and Ryan one day opened up an envelope that said, congratulations, you're going to UIC. And they were like, yay, can't wait. Um, But for like Mallory and I and all veteran staff, we kind of get a bit of a say in, do we stay at our new campus or old campus? Do we go to a new one? Where do we want to go? And so um, last year in March and April, uh, we were kind of going through that process for me of, um, am I going to stay at the University of Iowa where I was? Am I going to move? Where am I going to move to? And I got a phone call that said, we want you to go be um, the team director to start the team at this really small school in Western Colorado in Grand Junction. Um, and I heard this and I heard that I was going to go there. And I was just like immediately filled with tons of anxiety. I was super overwhelmed. I tell people like I literally cried so hard I almost threw up, which if you've ever gotten to that point, it's very distress- distressing. Um, and so I went. remember going into pr- and thinking like, Talking to my higher-ups and focus, it's like, okay, I don't know if I f- how I feel about this. What if I say no? Like, are there other options? All these things. And they're like, pray about it. See what God's telling you. And then we'll talk next week. Um, and so I remember thinking about all these things about going to this school in Western Colorado. That really freaked me out. And so I brought them, and I remember just s- sitting there in prayer and just being like, God, I'm scared. Um, I'm scared for what could like what Colorado could be like, what my experience would be, um, and all these reasons that I'm scared. And I told him this, and as I'm sitting there, I just remember seeing the father, or like imagining the father kind of like kneeling down to my levels if I'm, you know, a little child. And um, yeah, he comes down to meet me and he just says, I'm so proud of you. And it's okay to say no. I give you permission to say no. Um, and again, it wasn't this booming voice that spoke to me, but it was this sense in my heart that I had this freedom and I wasn't obligated to do it. Um, and so I just was like, okay. And my response in that moment then was, yeah, I have the freedom to say no and I'm going to say no to this opportunity. Um, and it was just that, re- that reality of prayer and just letting the Father speak to me that gave me that ability to respond in that way. Um, and so with this, like, while we have these tools for prayer, this method, if you want to call it that, um, this way for us to start by acknowledging what's going on in our own heart, relating it, receiving what the Father, what God has for us, and responding. Our prayer is also always a response um, to God. God is always the one who initiates prayer. Um, it's just us responding. So even us stepping into the chapel and making time for prayer, even though we're taking this initiative, God's actually taking the initiative first because he's always constantly pursuing our hearts and is always wanting this relationship with us. And one of the best ways that he has left us to, uh, as a sign of like his presence with us and his way to speak to us is the scriptures and is the Bible. Um, and so one of the best things we can do, and it even says um, somewhere on this handout, um, that one of the best things to do is to pray with scripture. Um, and so some of us, if you, again, if you're in my Bible study, you might have done this before. Um, but it's a great way to um, hear God's voice through the scriptures 
And then with that, acknowledge what's going on, relate, receive, and respond. And so actually, um, what I'm going to do right now is walk us through how to pray with scripture and how to go about doing that um, just for a few minutes, just to kind of all have an example of it. So I'm going to open us in prayer. Um, invite you all to close your eyes. I think it's just a little bit easier if we all close our eyes. Um, and to kind of pay attention to what's going on. So, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray. Holy Spirit, come, enlighten our hearts, open our ears and our hearts to your word, and help this to be a moment of deep encounter with you in order to have that relationship with you. So I'm going to read through a passage of scripture. And this this first time that I read through it, I just want you to get the story, get what's going on in scripture, and just kind of pay attention. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So now that we have a sense of what's happening in the story, we're a little familiar with it, I'm going to read through the passage again. And this I want you to pay attention to, is there a word or a phrase that's sticking out to you? Um, It can be something as simple as just the word angel, or um, maybe a whole phrase or a whole verse. Um, But also with that of like, yeah, what, what are the thoughts, feelings, and desires that are in my heart? Um, with this phrase, as I think about this phrase, as this phrase stands out to me. Um, And if there's nothing that stands out, that's okay too. Um, Just kind of think about that. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, 
And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So now just thinking about that word or that phrase, that thought or that feeling that sticks out. I'm going to read through this passage again. Um, And this time, I want, we're going to take like, 30 seconds afterwards in silence. Um, Just in your heart, just relate that thought, that feeling um, to God. Just tell him, Jesus, this is what's standing out to me. This is how I feel. Um, Yeah, and then with that, um, as you tell him that, take some time just to notice, like, what is God like? What is he like as I tell him that? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said hail full of grace the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So take some time to relate and tell God. Yeah, what's going on in your heart? What's sticking out? And then just rest and try to notice, notice God and notice what he's like. And I'm going to read through it one more time, um, just to continue to become familiar with the passage, with God's word speaking to us. Um, and then we'll take some time again in silence, um, this time just to respond to um, whatever it is that God may have spoken to you, whatever you may have received, um, or maybe if you need to go back to relating to him and just keep telling him all these things, that's fine too. Um, yeah, again, there's no method, there's no um, yeah, right way to do this. These are just tools that can help. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this was the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. To take a moment in your heart, just respond to the grace that God has poured out upon you. Whether that's um, a resolution of something he might be asking you to change, something he might be asking you to do, or simply just um, relating to him, whatever has come up in your heart. We pray all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Um, so that's just an example of how to pray with Scripture. It's not the way to pray. It's not the only, definitely not the only way to pray. Not even maybe necessarily the best way to pray. It's just a way that I myself have found effective, and I know a lot of other people have. Um, but there's tons of other resources about prayer that are out there. Um, Something I like, the final thought that I kind of want to hit on, um, yeah, is just that Mother Teresa has this quote where she says, um, I used to think that prayer changed things, and now I realize that prayer changes people, and people change things. I think a lot of times um, we come to God and we want him to fix our problems. Uh, God promises to heal all of our brokenness, to heal all of our suffering, um, to satisfy every desire of our heart, and it's true that he does and he can. Um but I think we also have to, to realize something I've had to learn in my own life, that um, prayer doesn't change, necessarily change the situations in my life. Um, it can't necessarily change situations in, our, in what's going on with us. Um, last year, I was really just kind of struggling with um, my own relationship with my dad. It's a little rocky. Um, yeah, we don't really see eye to eye. And so I was praying with this path. There's a passage in the Gospel of Matthew where immediately said, it says, Jesus um, raised his eyes to heaven and thanked and praised his father and said, I praise you, Father, um, for you have revealed these, these to the little ones. Um, and just, I remember thinking, what stood out to me was just Jesus' relationship with his father in that. Um, and like his excitement to be with the father. And what kept coming up was like anger and frustration. Almost like a jealousy of like, why does Jesus get this with his father? Um, but I don't get this with my own. Um, and if I hadn't had this 
what I just learned in prayer and that like emotions are good and there's no bad emotions and to relate all of these to God, I think I otherwise would have just kind of like shoved that down and said, I don't want to think about that. But instead what I did was I told, told God about this. Um, I said, Jesus, I, yeah, I'm really angry and I'm really frustrated because my own relationship with my father is not like this. Um, and why don't I get an experience of fatherhood? Um, and so I just remember, um, as I'm telling him this and just kind of trying to notice God in it, I just feel like Jesus was kind of just like, but this is what I have for you too with my own father. And so in that moment, it didn't change my relationship with my dad. It didn't fix things. It didn't make me feel great about my relationship with my dad either. It didn't make me like see it in a new way and be like, oh my gosh, everything's fine now. No, it's actually still pretty difficult. Um, but what I came to know through that time of prayer is that Jesus knows about that. He knows how I'm feeling, um, that I'm not alone in it and that he's with me in it. Um, but also that I have access to his father and I have a relationship with his father, um, simply because of, uh, yeah, being his daughter. So a good majority of our prayer isn't about, like I said, isn't about accomplishing anything. It isn't about fixing anything. It's about letting God be with us in the stuff of our lives. Because that's the part of our lives that he wants to be in. He wants to be with us in the everyday, in our schoolwork, in our tests, in our families, in our friends. That's the stuff he wants to hear about and he wants to know about. Um, So when it comes to praying um, with these tools and this method, whatever you want to call it, that I've given you these examples, there's a few practical tips that I do want to hit on as well. Um, One is just time. Like I said, do you show up? You have to make time for prayer if you want... um, yeah, to grow in prayer and to grow in that relationship with God. Um, so even start small, um, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, maybe try to work your way up till 30 minutes a day. But if you put in that time every day, um, you also have to carve out what time of day is going to be best. I guarantee you that the 10 minutes before you go to bed probably are not going to be as fruitful as 10 minutes at another part of your day. Um, unless you're someone who's like super wide awake right before bed, but I'm definitely not. Um, so find a time that works for you. Maybe is it that you have um, the first 10 minutes, as soon as you get out of class, you're done with your class for the day, you're going to come here and spend 10 minutes in prayer. Um, yeah, find a way that can make it convenient in your schedule. You don't have to like wake up at five in the morning to fit in your prayer. Uh, maybe you do. But yeah, how can you fit in that chunk of time? Um, then the second place is like, yeah, what's the best place for you to pray? I'm going to be honest, the chapel is great. It's usually pretty quiet. Um, We know that Jesus is present there in the Eucharist in a very real, physical, and unique way. Um, But really, God also dwells in you. Um, Again, when you were baptized, not only were you adopted into his family, but you received the Holy Spirit. And so God dwells in you. And so anywhere you are, God is. Um, And anywhere you are, you can encounter God. So, um, yeah, find a place that's quiet, that's conducive to praying. Again, laying in your bed, probably not the best idea. You're probably going to fall asleep if it's quiet. I know I do. Um, but yeah, is there a space in your house that's a little bit quieter? Can you make time to come here to Newman to the chapel before starting on your homework? Um, yeah, just don't pray laying down. It never really works well. Um, in terms of going off of that, in terms of like your posture, um, yeah, sometimes we walk in there, especially during adoration, and we see people on their knees. Um, sometimes we're like standing. I don't know what's going on. But really, um, yeah, you have the freedom to pray in the posture that enables you to pray. Um, So for me, when I walk into that chapel, usually the first thing I'm going to do is go down onto my knees um, because it reminds me that I'm in a a place where God is present. And it helps me to center where I'm at and to actually start praying. Um, But most of the time, I'll be praying while I'm sitting down. 
Um, and so it's just really whatever is comfortable. But again, not that you're going to fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. Um, if you do fall asleep, it's okay. Saints fell asleep during prayer, but don't do it on purpose. Um, and then I always like to start with what I call a primer. And it says this, I think, in one of the paragraphs on your sheet. Um, but St. Ignatius encourages us to pray in our Father and to imagine the Father looking at you. To imagine receiving um, the gaze of his love. Um, so that's what I always like to do when I first get it, go to pray. Um, what I've also found to be very helpful in prayer is journaling. Um, when I journal, when I write down, um, I like will go through and I'll write down my like A-R-R-R for the most part. I'll be like, mm, I'm feeling angry. Jesus, I feel angry. And when I write it down, it helps me to focus on it. Otherwise, my thoughts often go all over the place. Um, and it, so it can be helpful in avoiding distraction, but it can also be really helpful in remembering your prayer. Um, there are times when prayer is difficult, when it feels a little dry. And when we can go back and look at our journals and see places in the, in the past where God has really clearly spoken to us, where we've received his grace very tangibly, um, it can help us to get through those dry periods of prayer. Um, but again, most practical things, prayer is not your job. It's God's job. You have two jobs. Show up. Be honest. Um, and yeah, I like if you show up and he seems to be absent, he's wasting his time. It's not a waste of your time. I guarantee you it's worth it. Um, it's his problem to waste that time because you're there, you're doing what you should, you're showing up and you're being honest. Um, and our God is, um, incredibly generous and he's never outdone in generosity. And so I can absolutely guarantee you that if you spend time in prayer every day, um, and you honestly bring your thoughts and your feelings and your desires into that relationship with him, your life will change. Um, they say it takes 30 days to start a habit and, um, that's like a psychological study they did. Um, and so with that, we have what's called like, yeah, I really want to invite you guys into forming a habit of prayer. And so on the back of your handouts, um, you have what we call the 30 day prayer dare, but, um, it goes to the gospel of Luke and it's a passage of scripture that you can pray with each day, um, to spend those time, spend that time being soaked in God's word, acknowledging your thoughts, feelings, and desires and relating them to him in order to build that relationship. And we did the first one tonight. So you can check that one off and get started tomorrow. Um, but yeah, ask me, ask my teammates, ask anyone who spent time in prayer um, consistently, and I will guarantee you that spending time in prayer with God, with his word, um, being honest with him, it changes your life, um, for always for the better. Um, so with that, let's close in a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus, we just ask you to continue to teach us how to pray. Lord, I pray for all of us here tonight that you would just stir up in us um, a zeal for you, a hunger for you. Help us to know the desire that you have for us and so that we might have that same desire for you. Lord, I pray that you would just remove any obstacles from us. Um, take them, any obstacles that prevent us from praying, um, any obstacles of time, of place, of friends, anything maybe that... Um, we might use an excuse to get in the way of a relationship with you, Lord. Let that not be an excuse. Help us to really put you first and to make you the center of our lives. Lord, we love you. We know that you're loving us even in this moment. That you're calling us into a relationship in everything that we do. So I just ask you to help us to respond to that. 
We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.